We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 1. We're going to just go down to verse 6. The Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we, hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. We kind of discussed last week the first two verses, 1 John chapter 2. We discussed those first two verses, spent some time on those, and John started off by uh, writing that if any man sin, we have an advocate. He said that if, you know, like, like uh, not that you have the option of not sinning. He, we, he gets that. God gets that. Jesus understands. He, li- he, he was here. He lived amongst us. He gets the temptations, for he was tempted also, right? So the if is kind of uh, as a way of, you know, just... If any man sin, yeah, you're going to sin, and then they understand that. But when that happens, when we talked about this, you're not to live in a life of sin, right? Uh, we're to, we talked about the doctrine of separation, because we talked about these simple rules that we needed to follow. And that rule number one was don't mess with stuff that gets you into trouble. And as along with that was, you know, don't go places you don't need to go. Don't look at things you don't need to be looked at, looking at. Don't go somewhere or, or be... In a, in a place or amongst people that are going to tempt you into areas that we know as Christians we shouldn't be involved in. It's plain and simple. It's a very simple rule. Although a lot of discussion comes out of that um, and that doctrine of separation. Um, some, some find it a little legalistic, if you will. We'll talk about a little bit more along those lines today. But it's just, it's biblical. And it just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I think we learned that early as, as even youngins, right? You don't hang out with people that are going to get you into trouble. Boy, I had some friends when I was growing up that I probably shouldn't have hung, and I mean young, I probably shouldn't have hung out with them because we were doing always doing something was going to get us in trouble, and Mom would try to say, right? And then, you know, we kind of grew up with that guilty by association. It kind of supposed to help us. Um, know that you know we probably shouldn't be around certain individuals. And we talked about rule number two: when you foul things up, remember you have someone who's always in your corner. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're going to foul things up, aren't we? There's going to be times, but we have an advocate. And we talked about that. We even kind of uh, gave a little imagery of what that scene might be in heaven, and, and kind of a little bit of the courtroom type scenario you know we have an advocate uh, he doesn't try to excuse our sin because there's no excuse right doesn't try to justify it because there's no justification he just says you know what I've already paid the price for that sin though 
And then we talked about propitiation, which John uses that word in verse 2 and kind of what that signified. So nothing here that's too deep theologically. Nothing here is too deep, but, you know, it's just, it really is profound. Um, I heard a different... Um, over the years, you know, they said, well, a pastor or a guest speaker will come in, they'll preach the same verse over and over and over, and they said, well, how come you keep preaching that? Well, when you figure that one out, we'll move on. You know, we need these basic principles sometimes, don't we? So now we go off into verse 3, and we got another basic rule that John is trying to uh, talk to us about. Remember, he's combating the heresies that are going on in these churches. They're, they're, they're making life harder for themselves than it needs to be. Um, and, you know, and that's what he kind of told us in chapter 1. When, you know, he wants our joy to be full. Our Christian, he wants us to have joy. And when we put all these other rules in place but out of lack of knowledge or lack of understanding or a lack of a close fellowship with God, then we make life harder than it needs to be. And you really, you, ha you struggle with the joy that should be present as a Christian. So now in verse 3, he tells us that we need to behave like a member of the family. You're Christians. Or you claim to be. You claim to be a Christian. You claim the name of Christ. Act like it. Right? You know, and I've heard the pastor mention this several times lately, and it always brings me back to when I was a kid. You know, whenever mom and dad would take us somewhere, and my sister and I are in the back seat, and we pulled up in front of the house, before we got out of the car, we got the talk. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And you're to be seen and not heard. Do you understand? Yep. <laughs> yes, I do. And that was... And because why we reflected the name of the family, how we act was a reflection on our parents to how they were raising us. You don't quite understand that as a kid. We do now, you know, because we got kids. But you know, when you take the name of something, you're to act that way. Behave like a member of the family. What's he say in verse three? And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. John here is trying to reassure the people of their salvation. Remember, they got all these false doctrines coming in from, you know, salvation only comes that if you have this, this high spiritual knowledge or salvation comes um, through uh, legalistic works and all these type of things. And he's saying, no, if you have all these ideas, then you really don't know if you're saved or not. Because I'm hearing all this confusing stuff. And he, he's, he wants to give reassurance of them. Just this week, I uh, had a conversation with somebody. And you know, the question was, have you ever doubted your salvation? Well, truth be known, I think we all, from time, at moments, may go, what if I'm really saved? I think that's normal. I think God understands that. He don't want us to do that on a continual basis. He wants us to have that... That, that assurance and the, the, the steadfastness in our faith. Um, because if we don't, then we can't experience that joy that he wants us to have. So he's trying to reassure the people of their salvation. 
Remember, combating all these false beliefs making their way into the church. Assurance, excuse me, assurance of salvation is something that God wants us to have. I don't think anybody would disagree. He doesn't want us to doubt his promises to us. Doesn't want us to have that doubt. I would venture to say, I don't think a one-time deal is necessarily a bad thing. I think it's normal. But if you're constantly doubting your salvation and you are saved, then we're getting into an area that you're starting to doubt the promises of God. And I don't know that, that you're not getting into areas of sin just in and of, it, of itself. John eight twenty nine says, Jesus said, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. John tells us that we can have assurance that we're saved if we're keeping his commandments. Now, a lot of discussion I read in multiple commentaries. What do you mean by commandments? We're talking Old Testament commandments? Uh, pastor's done an awesome job last several weeks going over the Ten Commandments. I've really enjoyed that. Saying, you know what? Yeah, it's Old Covenant, right? But does that mean that it doesn't apply? No. still applies. I mean, Jesus taught on pretty much all of them, Right? Um, I think we like to, or I, I have known some that say, well, those are for an old covenant. That Those don't apply anymore. Really? I mean, thou shalt not kill. You think that doesn't apply now? To some, it doesn't. To some, it doesn't, it, it appears. But, you know, does it mean that? Does he, by him saying, uh, that if we keep his commandments, is he kind of referring to Jesus and his teachings and his commands that Jesus gave us his time on earth? Yeah, I think that's true as well. You know, very likely uh, John is referring back to what Jesus said in the upper room during the uh, final uh, discourse was, uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? And evidently that set good with John because John is using that same phrase here in 1 John. He's saying, uh, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we're doing what God wants us to do, and remember, the God of the Old Testament, the Father, and the God of the New Testament, the Son, the Trinity, it's kind of all in one. You can't throw one out and still have the other. Kind of, I mean, the Trinity is three unique but same. We don't understand that. It seems odd, but doctrinally, that's that's how that has seen. So, if we are to do what He wants us to do, what God wants us to do, then that we can have assurance that. We're saved. It changed us. We had a moment in our life where we didn't do what God wants us to do. And we can all think back to those times, right? And we have moments that, you know what, we may struggle from time to time. But overall, we have a, an example of following and obeying than we don't, than we, versus that we don't. Jesus was always able to please God because, of course, he was God. But for us, are we always able? No, I don't think we can say that. Now, <clears throat> do you want to please God? Uh, yeah. That's the key. 
That's the key. Do you want to please God? Are are you seeking when you come um, to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday night and, and you spend time in Sunday school in His Word and prayer and all that? Are you seeking ways to understand Him so that you can please Him? Why? Because you love Him. That's the concept really of key, that word terreo, yeah. commandments to be that important doesn't mean we're going to break not break them right then but it's that attitude because yeah. we all know people that are say they're saved but you know their, their lives don't match up and that's what he's talking about here i uh found uh i love going to the internet for research i just love it found one uh sir uh, uh source that said 75 percent of people in america think they're going to heaven when they die now, does anybody in here think that really 75% of America is probably going to go to heaven when they die? I'm sorry. I, I'd like to think that was true. Man, if that was true and we felt strong about it, praise God, right? I'm doubting that's true. I find it bizarre that 25% are okay that they're not. <laughs> yeah, well, when you don't believe it exists, then you don't have a problem with the consequence, I guess. Um, but three quarters... There's a lot of people out there that take the name of Christian or take want to believe that they're going to go to heaven and don't live the life that that validates that. Not that proves it cuz faith isn't by works. We understand that. That's not what we're discussing. But you have a life that validates that that title. Um we're all used to joining different groups and having standards that you have to that you have to live by for that group and we're all used to it except when it comes to Christianity and we want to say well that's legalistic we don't have to do that well you don't have to to be saved but you should because you want to we'll get into seven that some struggle with the thought that the only that the only way to know is to do what the Bible tells us to do. So the only way we're to know that we're going to heaven is to do what the Bible tells us, and that sounds a lot like legalism. Some say that. Some very much say that. And they say, well, this is sounding very legalistic, that you only know if you do what you're told to do. And man, overall, we're a society that doesn't like to be told what to do anymore. Isn't that true? I was reading a book just this week that hit it right on, and this author said this. Biblically, legalism is getting or keeping God's favor through obedience to the law. That's what legalism is, obedience to the law. We know that we can't earn God's grace for salvation or any other way through our works. We understand that. But as the born-again children of God who have been freely given His love, we do desire to live in a way that pleases God. And since God gives us commands and principles for how He is pleased for us to live, we should follow those. That's not legalism. It's obedience. And hopefully, it is obedience that is compelled by love. For Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience is tied to knowing and loving God. We are to know God and know that we know Him. 
John even uses that same kind of phrase in verse 3. I love that. And hereby we do know that we know. <laughs> I love that circular kind of that you know, we know that we know. Do you have that kind of assurance? Do you know that you know? Or do you just think you know that you know that you should know? I mean, you should we should have that type of assurance. Or God wants us to. By nature we prefer to do our own will. We prefer to take our own way. But trusting Christ, we learn to delight in His will. He gives us this whole book as an example of how to live. Also, as we individually read His Word, as you're daily in His Word, as you study His Word, as you pray, worship, and have fellowship with other believers, those are all opportunities that God in His still voice speaks to us. When we feel His voice and direction in our lives, we're to follow that as well. So there may be specific commands in Scripture, but as you are reading, God may talk to you and say, you need to do this in your life. Why does He do that? Well, He loves us and He wants us to, to, uh, be, uh, to contribute to His kingdom and do things in, 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 in His glory. The occasional stumble of a genuine believer do not constitute him or her an unbeliever, right? And we just kind of said that, you know, we're not none of us are perfect, none of us have arrived. We may we strive to know God, to love him and understand how we can please him, but this is a sinful flesh and from time to time we fail. But that doesn't make us an unbeliever from time to time any more than occasional conformity by an unbeliever. You know, unbelievers can do good and accidentally follow one of his uh, commands that he has, and that doesn't make them a believer by accidentally following. So, you know, you have to keep that in mind. Now we go to verse 4. And what's our rule for verse 4 that we, that we have here? No matter what you say, your actions tell the real truth. Actions speak louder than words many times, right? Yep. Verse 4, John says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Boy, I, I appreciate John's directness there. I really, you know, because he kind of, he didn't pull any punches there. They come right out. Said, you know what? If you claim Christianity and your life does not match up, you're a liar. Uh, the phrase keep if not does not mean, again, a one-time here and there <laughs> failure to follow. That's not what he's saying. That's not at any uh factor of what he's saying. It means continued action, ongoing, continuous disobedience to God and the things of God. It doesn't match up at all. But yet, yeah, you claim or that these people are claiming that they're Christian. And he's saying, no, you're, you're lying. You are lying. And I, said, uh, I wrote this, John throws it at the people here holding no punches, doesn't he? I mean, like I said, uh, 
saying if you are a professing Christian and your life, life is marked by continuous sin, then you are a liar. And isn't it true today that we tend to talk around some issues? Man, we can't seem to solve anything because we talk in circles all the time. I mean, I, nobody wants to come out and say a pointed opinion or a pointed rule because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, you'll get canceled. But sometimes we need to have tough conversations with folks. I appreciate a, a fellow brother who may, if they were to see something uh, in in my life, that they pull you aside and say, "Hey, I need to talk to you." You know, I've kind of noticed this and this, and I love you, and I want to see you get past this. How can I help? Or you need to get past it. Or else. I appreciate that. that takes courage, doesn't it? But we need that sometimes. I think we all need that sometimes. Um, sometimes it doesn't take hints. And um, Well, I, I have a story for you of somebody that I know who went through something similar I see you going through. Is that really a story or are you just making that up to try and make a point to me? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen that done several times. Sometimes... I think people appreciate just being direct. Just being direct. And John, boy, he just being direct here. He's being direct. Uh, I wrote, sometimes we have to have tough conversations with someone, and when we get that moment to have a conversation with somebody, and we're, you know, I've planned, I'm going to have a conversation with so-and-so, and then when that time comes, I lose the confidence to do it. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt them. I'm afraid I'm going to offend them. Are we doing them a favor? Maybe not. Maybe they need to hear it. Maybe this is the moment that if they hear it directly, they're going to change and go on. So we're stealing that moment from them. And we talk and talk and talk, but sometimes never get to the point. John here does not have that problem. And I just love it. I love it. Uh, and let's see, will you allow me to put it this way? Do you believe that everyone who will be in the sanctuary today and identifies as a Christian truly is? I am, I venture to say that that is not the truth. You wish it was. Don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the scripture tells us that's probably not the case. It's just probably not the case. Even in the twelve, there was one who didn't believe. So the you know there are going to be those even here today or here now that may claim and their lives aren't matching up. And we need pastor and others to stand up and say, if you're doing that, you're lying to yourself, and you better do this. You need to get right now. You need to get right now. And John's combating those things. He's saying, don't get. Don't get sidetracked by all these false beliefs out there. And boy, they may sound pretty impressive and they may sound flowery and they may be making some points that sounds good to the ears, but don't get caught up in that because if you get caught up in that and you aren't saved, then you're you're lying to yourself. And there's a lot of folks out there that on TV and radio and the internet that sure sound good. 
man, millions of followers because they talk well and it becomes motivational speak because, man, I, I listen to so-and-so because they make me feel good. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was talking to somebody years ago uh, after we first started coming to Central, and it, I think it was at work when I was at the PD, and they said, well, you know, I, I go this place. I know when every time I go there, I leave feeling great. And I said, I got to tell you, sometimes I go to church, I don't leave feeling real well. <laughs> you know, God kind of works on your heart in certain areas, and sometimes you shouldn't feel real well. If you're feeling great every time you go someplace, then probably not the place you need to be. Is God really working on you? Because we're not arrived. We haven't. Uh, we're not perfected, and you know we're going to have areas that we need to work on. John continues in verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. And again, John is thinking back uh, very likely to that uh, last discourse where Jesus in John 14 15 says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. So, you know, we've kind of already hit this, but to rehash it a little bit. If you're having obedience, you're doing so because you love him. It's not out of fear, although, you know, sometimes, you know, hearing a good uh, hard message of the consequences of sin and the consequences of not accepting Him may bring you to Him. Some people are are brought to Him through through that. Through, you know, if I don't do this, I'm going to hell. Uh, it's very interesting in that same survey, there was... Um, the number of people who believe in heaven and the number of people who believe in hell isn't equal. You know, interestingly, you know, it's like uh, I think 64% believe in hell or heaven, but only uh, 40-some percent believe in hell. And, you know, if you believe in one, shouldn't you believe in the other? Shouldn't that be equal? Should be. Um, but, you know, there's a consequence for not accepting Christ. Everybody eventually will bow to him. And we'll come to know him. A lot easier on you if you start early. <sighs> yeah, I think so. Because we don't know how much time each all of us have to be able to do that. No, we don't. Um, yeah, you just don't. You don't know how many days, how many people say, well, I'm not ready yet. Sometimes it's the consequences of man. My behavior is, is such and such that I'm, I'm I'm on the fast track to hell if I don't get this right, and I don't accept God and what He provided for me. People that are truly saved, they don't practice sin, do they? 
No, uh, you know, that's kind of what we've been talking about is those that are saved, even though they may not, they're not perfect, they haven't arrived, they're going to sin, but their life isn't marked by sin. Um, I always like to think about it, you know, Sundays is a, is kind of an easy day for those that want to play, you know. Um, I can go to church. I can go to Sunday school that morning. I can go to church that morning. I go to church that night. Um, I feel spiritual, but Monday when I go back to work, if one of us worked alongside that person and didn't say a word, and would their actions really show that, that they're a Christian? Man, I, and I've experienced some of that over the years. Uh, those that say they go this or the, this place or that place, but yet Monday through Friday, really, you know, and 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 those aren't places we need to be. I don't believe because you can very easily get taken and get caught up in that. Well, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe that there's really a hell. No, you're right. Because that way, you know, when they when they're ready to go, they know well I'm gonna go to heaven. There ain't no place. There ain't no yeah. such place. No consequence. Heaven. Oh, yeah. there sure is. Yep. I wonder what they're going to do when they open their eyes sometimes. It's too late. There it is. <laughs> too late. The Bible says there's a hell. You better believe it. Well, when they say that, it's they don't believe the Bible anyway. That's right. Christians often ask a pastor or someone of church authority if they feel, is it okay to do this? Uh... Yeah, they might say, you know, I got this thing, and we're gonna go here or there. Is it okay, you think, if I'm there? I, you know, most times they know the answer to that before they're asking. What are they looking for? Kind of permission to go down a road, huh? Yeah. You know, you're looking for permission to do something that that you want to do, but you have doubts whether God would approve. And don't do it, right? The more we know God and are close to Him. And we understand His Word for us, the more we understand what God wants for us and what pleases Him. So when we understand what pleases Him, we want to please Him by doing the right thing, by doing those things that He wants from us. And we don't want to do what displeases Him. So the more we understand Him, the closer we have a relationship with Him, the, more, the easier it is for, for us to go, you know what, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to get involved in this because I don't, it's not what He wants from me. I belong to the Lord, and uh, I never paid any attention when, they, when we'd have installation, you know, and they'd set up the table and everything. Well, then I was elected to be president, and I had to set up the table. And that night I was supposed to insulate everybody. Well, I set up the table and there sat a Buddha. And I called Brother John and I said, I have to come right now to come talk to you. And I took my book out there and everything. And I said, this is a book I'm not supposed to share with anybody, but I need to know. Shall we setting up that table? And John said, you already know because you came out here. <laughs> what do I do, though? I'm supposed to be doing it tonight. And he said, you already know what you need to do. That was the hardest thing, I think, that I had, because they were good friends. I yeah. would call and say, I'm sorry. I can't be president. I cannot come tonight. I'm going to have to move it to somebody else's house. 
and I had a lot of repercussion from that. But John had preached for must have been three or four weeks on Buddha and everything, and it you know it just kept clunking in my head, and I was thinking, why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. And then when I had to set up that table, mm. I realized it. Yeah. Repercussions were out here. You know, and I appreciate his answer. You know, because sometimes it's easy to go, well, I can't because so and so said. That's right. And it was, it was a hard phone call. Yeah. Um, yeah, we know. I think, you know, if you're in his word and you're praying to him and you're close, to, you know, we know, don't we? Um, but it's nice to have. Some validation and confirmation from another brother or sister. Yep. Well, and I had things, you know, that we had gone to uh, conferences and stuff, and so I had things that I had brought home from it. And uh, Pastor said, "Now, do you have things in the house that you've gotten?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> he said, "Well, it's time to clean out." There you go. Time to clean house, right? Yep. Boy, the spiritual lesson of that clean house. Saying you want something really bad until you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you realize the consequences of it. Absolutely, there always are. There always are. You know, when we have that steadfastness of our faith, um, you know, it's still difficult because uh, you may work with them or have an association. But man, when you when you are put in a position like that. Or similar, and you take a stand. And after a while, it feels good. I've taken. I've. I've. You know, you have that assurance, especially at that moment. And that's what John's trying to tell us: is by by having that obedience, you have that assurance. You have that assurance. Uh, one example of a of a gentleman. You talk about assurance and steadfastness. Polycarp. Polycarp, who was actually a disciple of John, learned and studied under John. Um, and ran one of the churches in Asia Minor, uh, Smyrna. Remember, John was a, was, ran the churches in Asia Minor at one point, so Polycarp would have studied under John and had, had like, uh, teachings. Well, at one point, he was being burned at the stake by Marcus Aurelius of Rome for being Christian. This, you know, there was consequences. Talk about consequences for, for naming the name of Christ. My goodness. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs sometimes. If you haven't, I challenge you. I challenge you. Find a copy. I have a copy. If you don't, I'll loan you mine. That will open your eyes to some magnificent stories. Some tragic stories, but really some magnificent magnificent stories. But anyway, he was being burned at the stake. And he was given a chance right there. He's bound at the stake, ready to light. And, he's, and they say, you know what? We're going to give you another chance. Uh, honor Caesar and curse Christ right here and you'll live. They talk about, holy smokes, literally. <laughs> right? I didn't mean Polycarp stated at that point, 80 and 6 years have I served Christ. How can I curse Him? My King and my Savior. Final words. As he was burnt at the stake for being a Christian. 
man, you know, I, you know, and we sometimes struggle with um, being confident about our faith at work when there isn't really that much consequences for us. There might be a little bit. Maybe so-and-so will quit talking to us. Okay, I didn't like talking to them anyway. You know, or, or they were a bad influence, so, you know, is that really a consequence? We struggle with sometimes those opportunities. My goodness, what are we gonna? What would? How would we act in something like that? Would we fold at that moment? Mm, I don't know. Rule number six: When you're looking for an example to follow, choose Jesus. Verse six, John said, "He that saith he abideth in Him ought himself also, also so to walk." even as he walked. Man, we're always looking for role models. Everybody's always looking for a role model to follow. Um, and we got plenty of opportunities nowadays from the internet to, it, you know, to social media, to TV. And, you know, it just, and not all of them are good. Well, I would venture to say most of them are, right? Uh, I love our theme this year, Follow. You know, and I, uh, Brother Lynn, did some lessons on the the uh, the aspect of following versus leading. That's always been a, a hot topic for me. I think too many times we look for opportunities to lead because we think that's what will lift us up. When all we need to do is follow. All we need to do is follow, man. Over uh, something that kind of I started seeing after being in policing probably about 10, 12 years, I was going to these schools and we went to one school and we were learning how to investigate accidents. And it was, uh, I think 25 cops in the school, all probably sergeant and above. So they're all leaders, all leaders. And they put us on an intersection in Tulsa and said, we want you to draw a scale diagram of this. And you got, well, I think we had a group of about six different groups and you got six type A leaders and it was like banging your head against a brick wall to get anything done. And I thought finally it was like, well fine, what do you want me to do? Because we were all going to just stand there staring at each other. Somebody needs to just follow. There's a lot to be said for following. And Christ gives us the perfect example of somebody just to follow. Just follow. You know, the example is set. The steps have been stepped. He has been tempted in every way that we're going to be tempted. Just follow. There are commands from God and His words that we are to follow. Jesus taught us through His words and actions how we should live, act, and treat others. God gives us the actions of other people. All included in his word through inspiration of positive and negative examples of how we should live. There is so much in this book if you'll, if you'll take the time to, to read it, to study it, to marinate on it, to meditate on it, to really get into it and understand the lessons for us that we're to follow. Just follow it. Man, there's no simpler sometimes action out there than there is just to follow. I'm not no stress sometimes. Just follow. Do what he did. 
If we love God, we should want to know His Word, to be in His Word, to study the commands, the commandments, the lessons, the examples, the instructions, the lessons and examples, so that we can act as God wants us to. Why? Because we love Him, because He loves us, and we just want to please Him. That's what John is really hitting. I mean, it's a very basic concept, really. It really is nothing too deep there. The example set, just obey. And you can have, you know, you have those moments like yours or others that could give that, man, when you come out of that, it may have been kind of difficult, but when you come out of it, you have an assurance of your faith that is, it just strengthens you. And then those of us that may have not experienced that, but we're strengthened by hearing it, um, which is the part of fellowship. So, you know, don't let all this noise out there from the charismatics or other uh, doctrinal issues or you read this or that, and then you start going down these rabbit trails and it just makes, you're making it harder than it needs to be. Just get in the Word. Study the Word and pray. See what He has for you. Anybody want to release us in prayer? Ken, want to release us in prayer, sir? Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, this beautiful weather, and this beautiful day that we can come and have fellowship with you and fellow believers. Lord, your house is beautiful in time with your fellow believers is beautiful, and I thank you for that. And Lord, sometimes we, we meet on Sundays, but during the week, we don't know how to how to act. Lord, I'm thankful for this lesson today. Uh, maybe we need to search our hearts and do some house cleaning in our hearts. And I'm so thankful for that last piece. Follow you, Lord. And great leaders in this world learned early that the way to be a great leader is to be a great follower we can just learn to follow your commandments, Lord. Maybe someday we can be a leader for you. And I'm thankful for that encouragement today, Lord. Now as we get ready to go to the worship service, Lord, this beautiful time with, that we will spend honoring and worshiping you, Lord, I just ask that you prepare our hearts and prepare our minds that we will lift you up and praise you so that you can be pleased with this service today. Lord, be with the pastor as he brings the message and may we find ways to apply it to our lives today. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.